good evening, and welcome to our show. Thanks for joining the Cherry Ice Cream Smile Podcast, a place where friends who just happen to be Durannies get together to talk about our love of music, pop culture, concerts, and of course, our favorite boys, past, present, and future. Hi, this is Suzanne. I'm Jody. Hi, this is Stephanie. Hi, this is Deanna. Welcome back, everyone. It's been a minute since we've gotten together to record, but there's a really good reason to be here tonight. We are so excited to welcome award-winning music journalist and fabulous person all around, Miss Annie Zaleski, to the podcast tonight. Yay! Hello, Annie. Yay! Yay! Hello. Hello. <laughs> welcome. So excited. So excited to have you. We've been talking. We've got a you know a short list of people that we we would love to talk to, and you have been at the top of that list for quite some time now. So we appreciate you taking the time to be with us, but are really excited to talk to you. I am really excited to talk to you all too. Now I have a question for you that might get us started and get you rolling. Yeah. So here it goes. It is very apparent from what I've read of all of your writing that you love music and it's obviously been part of your life for a long time. You and I, and I think Suzanne would agree, um, share an admiration for REM as well. What's your earliest memory of being moved by music to the point of you wanted to write about it? Oh, that is such a good question. Wow, I'm not asked that question very much. Let okay, me think good. about this. <laughs> well, it's it's funny because when I so I started wanting to be I started wanting to be a writer just in general really early. Like I can mm-hmm. remember being in like second grade and you know we had writing assignments and they were like you know write a paragraph and I was the kid who was writing four paragraphs <laughs> like making like mini chapter books. I always wanted to be a writer. That's my dream I, student. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like above and beyond. Oh yeah, I was yeah. I was that student. And then in junior high, I started doing like journalism for like our junior high newspaper and stuff. And then, and but at the same time, then I started getting into music and reading music magazines. But I think honestly, and I, I still remember the first, I, I used to read Alternative Press Magazine mm-hmm. and they had a review contest at some point. I think this was like maybe the early 90s and early mid 90s. And I remember that they were basically like, you know, submit an album review and we'll print the best one and things like that. So I entered it and I had obviously not written anything professionally at that point. I was still like in high school, but I wrote about Automatic for the People by oh, REM yes. because I loved, I mean, obviously like that record meant so much to me, yes, yes. just lyrics and everything. And so I just remember, and I mean, I didn't know how to write an album review. I was just sort of winging it, but I, I wrote something. I didn't win, of course, but I still remember sitting down and being really, really like trying to craft something that explained why I love that record so much. Uh-huh, and uh-huh. so I, I think I can pinpoint that. I love that. And I I have somewhat of a connection also with an REM example. When I first started college a hundred years ago, (laughs) I I had to take an English comp class. And in that class, we were just assigned different essays and topics to write about. And one of my essays was about the recent REM concert that I'd attended on the Green Tour. And I wrote about the different types of fans that I recognized at the show. And that kind of started a whole thing for me about fandom, but my my English teacher asked me to write for the paper after I turned in that. <laughs> that wow. So you went on and did it, and I said, oh, my gosh, no, I can't do that. <laughs> no, no. How, how so good for you. you. Yay. Jody, how old were you when you did that? Um, 18. 
yeah. It's hard though, because it's like, you know, you, you, you know, when you're that age, it's like, it takes a lot of boldness to say, okay, I can do this and yeah. to put yourself out there yeah. and to do journalism. Yeah. And, you know, and it's like, I, I think for me, I was just sort of like, whatever, because I remember one day, I don't even know how this came about, but for some reason I ended up writing a review of Full House, the oh, TV show, yeah. like the finale or something for our local TV guide. Like literally, like, you know, you would get it, like, you know, every week in the newspaper. Somehow there was this like terribly snarky review that like 16 year old me wrote. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't even know how I did this. What is And so like in, in hindsight now I'm like, oh, that's sort of embarrassing. But it didn't even occur to me, like, maybe you shouldn't put that out there. I was just kind of like I was, you know, fired up about how terrible it was apparently but it's it's, so are are you not a full house fan or are you i liked full house i don't don't know what what happened maybe i was just disappointed the direction the sitcom went and by the end i don't maybe i was too cool for school because i was you know 16 and thinking that i was just awesome and above everything i have no idea but my mom found it so it's i think i think i have a picture of it somewhere and it's i might have even shared it online at some point it's so hilarious and also embarrassing but also kind of funny that's awesome Maybe it had maybe it had jumped the shark by then. Oh, it did. Yeah, it was like you know they. I think that's like when the sitcom they introduced. I think like a you know a new younger character. Yeah, Yeah, another kid. The the Oliver. The Oliver. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Oh my goodness. So let's talk about your projects. What, you want to jump off and talk about the new project? And yes. Kind of tell us a little bit about your Christmas extravaganza you're working, you've been working on and you're now you're out promoting. Yes, it is finally out in the world. This is a book that's basically looking at the stories and the origin stories and the inspiration of a hundred of the like, you know, most famous recognizable Christmas songs of all time. And let me tell you that I, you know, I love Christmas music. I have loved Christmas music for years. I've written about it so like this is a dream book to be able to write but I was so surprised at just like I I didn't you know there's songs that I've heard for years and years and years and never thought like well how did that get written how did that come together so it was fascinating just like figuring out all of these totally unexpected or quirky or just sort of you know unexpected like happenstance ways that these songs came together so it was really really interesting let me think okay actually wait I I think it is let me make sure it's the right one i believe do you hear what i hear okay so i always thought that that song you know to me that was you know to me that seemed like oh this is like you know a carol like this is something that's like maybe religious and you know that's been around forever and ever no it was was first released in 1962 and it was basically like written in response to the cuban missile crisis wow i had no idea yeah i had had no no idea idea either wow Either. Yeah. And it was written by a husband and wife songwriting team. And on this one, they like one of them tended to write lyrics and one of them tended to write music. And on this one, they actually kind of switched places. And so the the person who usually doesn't write lyrics um, wrote lyrics this time around. So it was this whole like really interesting backstory that you would not never know about. So and then who that did blew the my original? mind. Who did the original of that? Was it? Was it uh, oh, geez, let me. That's a good it, question. It was the Harry Simeon Corral. Okay. Huh. So it wasn't even like a pop singer. No. And, it's and then been done by so many people since yeah. then. And then Big Crosby, absolutely. He had a hit um, yeah. the year after it came out. But yeah, it's been covered by dozens of people. I think I mentioned 
version, Whitney Houston's version. Yes, I love Whitney. Um, which is beautiful. Yeah. So that that's just one example. So it was like basically a yeah. hundred different little mini articles like that where you're just yeah. like, wow. So Were there awesome. any good eighty? So if you know. Oh yeah. Oh police. <laughs> oh yes. Other than like you know last Christmas we kind of. Do they know it's Christmas? I want to know, know if you included Christmas. the new kids on the block Christmas song. <laughs> I should have and see. <laughs> See, like, it, since it's come out in the world, people are like, you know, why, why isn't this song included? Why is this song included? I tell people, I'm like, I need 30 more slots uh-huh. or I'm getting stuff together okay, from too. like, let's just do a sequel. Exactly. That's right. That's right. But no, I have I have Band-Aid, of course, in there because I, I love my trivia that John Taylor plays on it. And like, no one knows that. So I, I have to get that little tidbit in there always. And that there's a Tears for Fears sample that's slowed down on it. So, oh, wow. Oh, yeah. didn't, okay. I didn't know yeah. that part either. No, yeah. me either. Well, so, and, yeah, so it's and, fun. And, Mid-year was on the 80s cruise and he talked, he did some, you know, behind the scenes about it. And I believe he invited Simon, was it Simon and Sting? And I think Simon thought he was the only singer for a while until he yes. like showed up and there was yeah, everybody that's else true. there. Yeah. So he's like, okay. Because I think they helped out with some of the original track when they laid it down. Because I think that he, sounds I think, about right. Yeah. Midge said if I, if he could get Simon and Sting to sign up, he thought everybody else would do it, which I'm like, that's, that's fair for sure. So that's awesome. Yeah. So it was fun. Well, I think your book's going to have legs. They even talk about that with Christmas songs that, you know, it's great when it first comes out, but for years and years, people will just kind of come around and it, I bet you're going to see it pop up every year a little bit. Um, that's the hope. And cause I think that's, you're right. Cause that, you know, and the Christmas songs that are like unpopular come back into fashion. Mm-hmm. Like the funniest thing is, is that, um, I think for years and years and years, wonderful Christmas time by Paul McCartney, mm-hmm. um, people hated that song. Mm-hmm. Like I wrote a piece on that and I like the amount of like angry and happy people <laughs> who responded to that was like off the charts. Like nothing I'd ever written drew so much like of a response. Wow. But I guess that people now apparently like that's people have come around to that now. Yeah. But I'm getting the sense that Elton John's step into Christmas has sort of taken its place that people are like, oh, that's terrible. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> and I'm so angry because that's such a good song. I oh, love that song. Come, it'll come back around. Yes. For sure. So. And then one thing, and I don't know if you knew this, the proceeds, of course, for Band-Aid went to African charities they still do yes. to this day which so, is so lovely yeah, I know great. like and last Christmas they also said all of it goes charity so I thought that was just pretty amazing that at that time they dedicated that money that's still going to keep coming in to help people during Christmas time because you're right how many times does you know you say I'm going to do something for charity and then it stops it's after a certain time you're like okay you know we're good but it's mm-hmm. like in perpetuity like that's awesome yeah what a great ongoing legacy yeah for all of those songs yeah yeah, yeah. so I'm excited to see the Christmas book. So when I bust out my Christmas tree, I think I'm going to have to bust out your book. And the, the cover is so cute, too. So that's good. It definitely goes with, with all the decor and all the fun Christmas things. Yeah, it's cool. It's I it's um this uh, illustrator. Um, I, I can't remember who did the cover, but there's this illustrator named Darlene Clementine, which is such an amazing name, mm-hmm. that did like these like cute little like designs for some of the songs. So like there's like a sled and there's an alien and like a hippo and things <laughs> like that for some of the songs that are so cute. So. I was delighted when I saw that. Okay, well, how, so, do you, how do you come about, I want to write a book about Christmas songs and make it happen and get it published? Did did someone come to you and say, hey, do you want to do this? Or was this your baby from the beginning? So it's very funny. Um, I am in a bunch of Facebook groups for writing, for like mm-hmm. freelance writing. Mm-hmm. And gosh, this must have been, I don't know if this was last year. I guess it must have been like early last year. I was just like, you know, browsing Facebook mindlessly because that's what you do. And (laughs) 
a, a post popped up in the group from an, an editor who was basically like, I am looking for someone to write a Christmas book, like 100 best songs of all time. Wow. And, you know, you know, email me. And it had been up for a while. And but I saw that I was like, oh, I need to email her right away. And so like I put together, I'm like, here are like 10 links of things I've written about Christmas music in the past. <laughs> I am your person. Like I was so excited. And then, um, you know, I heard from her and then I ended up, you know, writing a sample blurb. And she was like, OK, yeah, you got it. I was like, yes. So Very that, so that, cool. yeah. So it was like, a, it was basically like, you know, Facebook is not all evil because I got a book <laughs> out of it. Nice. So, Absolutely. Very That's nice. awesome. Very yeah. Nice. Okay. So but it happens I'm, all different ways. Yeah. Yeah. I'm okay. going to change our focus a tiny bit. Almost one year ago this time, we were in heading to LA oh. to an amazing experience in LA. And we purchased before the day before they actually had all the merch out. We purchased the souvenir for the rock hall. We quickly opened up to the Duran Duran page, and there was a blurb by Miss Stalisky. How did that happen? That was completely awesome. And can you tell us the story of how you got to, to do that? Yeah, I mean, that was also just like a beyond a thrill and also a lot of pressure because you had there. It's like... <laughs> Here's their like, you know, career in 1500 words. And yeah. I'm like, oh, sure. No problem. Easy. <laughs> and oh, and the band is probably going to read it. No pressure. Okay. <laughs> so it was the Rock Hall every year puts out that book. And, um, and every year what they do is they hire different writers to write essays for, um, different artists. And then, so it's really, really cool. And so then, you know, and I know the editor, you know, I knew her by name because like she's just, she's a longtime editor journalist. And I, I get the feeling, I think someone might have either recommended recommended me to her or said, hey, like, you know, she, you know, if they're, they're looking for someone like you need to like talk to her mm. because I got an email out of the blue saying, hey, do you want to do this? I was like, yes. Oh, wow. Yes. Wow. Yeah. And so like, cause I don't think the band has anything to do with it. I think it's, it's sort of, it's a whole rock hall thing, but yeah. So I ended up being able to do it. And like I said, I was very nervous. I've worked very, very hard on it. <laughs> Um, because I wanted to make sure it was good and I wanted to make sure, you know, cause like, uh, you know, Duran Duran has had so many different sounds and eras and lineups and just approaches. And it's like, how do you sum all that up in a very short amount of time? So yeah, so it was challenging, but it, it was, but I'm, I'm happy. How like you said, you, like yeah. How many drafts did you go through or what? Like, what you don't. You know what I mean? Did it? You know, not that many. Because I think yeah. what I ended up doing is I was trying to. What what I tend to do with some of these pieces sometimes is like, okay, how is it going to start? How am I going to get like the intro and then kind of go mm -hmm. from there? Right. And so I think what I ended up doing, I, I think I started with. And so I think I was reading like I was just looking at John's uh, memoir just to get some ideas, or just to get some you know him talking about stuff from the early days. Mm -hmm. um, but I realized I'm like I should start with that the infamous 1980 article that mm -hmm. that you know like their first big piece of press and sounds mm -hmm. where you know Simon talks about we want to be the band that you dance to when the bomb drops mm -hmm. and I was yep. like oh my god that's so perfect and you know and it, that article is so funny because it's so earlier in their career but they're already so fully formed and it's so like them even yeah. you know yeah. even though they're like babies basically they're so young and I was like this is perfect and then you know you can kind of go off from there and you know talk a little bit about like why that exemplifies them and then kind of go go from there and I use some quotes too since I I had interviewed everybody over the years, and so I was able to get their voices in there too, which I was excited about as well. Yeah. I, I thought that I was fantastic. I even wrote in my notes the arc of that is absolutely spot on. Like you didn't miss oh, anything. You. you kept quotes. Yes. I mean, and that you mentioned Duranis. <laughs> yes. Was, yes. I, yes. That was 
super impactful for the fact that we were there because of them and they were there because of us. So yeah, that, that was very meaningful. And And I have to add the part where you said, uh, not one of my favorite parts of that article was when you mentioned Niall's remix, my favorite description, funk sizzle, Annie. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Yes. Funk sizzle. That's it. Niall, Niall is so good at that, but yeah. yeah. And like, and I'm like with you guys, like it's, you know, I'm a big, um, you know, in my writing and just in general, like I'm a big proponent of fans and fans matter and fans are important and it's not a pejorative and it's not a negative thing. Like being a fan of someone is awesome or, or someone or something is awesome. Yeah. And especially with Duran Duran, it's like, you know, so you can't separate them and, you know, just the loyalty and the support and uh, you know, the creativity and the friendship and everything like, yeah, uh, you know, there's just so many examples of, you know, good things happening from fans. And so. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And to Jody, and to Jody's point, the fact that you mentioned the fans, I mean, it's, it's the irony was, is that we were responsible. And I say we, the fans as a majority mm-hmm. responsible for them being the number one folk, you know, fan oh, yeah. vote getter. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So Everyone mobilized, yeah. got everything together. We're like, all right, you know, what do you do when you're waking up in the morning? You're voting. Well, we'll we'll yes. <laughs> the day. I love it. <laughs> Set your alarm, reminders. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Checking that chart every day to see if Pat Benatar had beat us up. Exactly. It was Eminem that we were battling. Eminem, that's right. It started out with Pat Benatar, and then Eminem took over. Yes. So I will say, I also thank you, Annie, for always acknowledging the Taylors are not related. I've noticed (laughs) that you put that very diligently in in, in your publications around them because so many people get there, like, not related to them, in parentheses. So I, I, I did notice that little detail as a Durani. So I have a question. Are you, because you came to Mu- Duran Duran a little bit later, because I, you know, I've, I saw that you, that your first album was the wedding album, I think. I, I learned that. That's correct. In interview. Mm-hmm. Do you consider yourself a Durani? Are Duranis the people that are, that were like older than you? So I'm curious. Are you a Durani or are you a, just a Duran fan? Is there yeah, a that's like a philosophical, like existential <laughs> question. You, absolutely, you guys are teachers. What I can tell Durani? that. <laughs> exactly. What is a Durani? Exactly. <laughs> is it a state of mind? Is it... <laughs> all of the above. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, I, I think so, you know, because it's, it's so funny because I feel like, you know, I, I tell people, oh, I quote unquote only have 30 years of fandom, which is like hilarious to, to think, you know, you only have 30 years of fandom mm-hmm. of anything. But, you know, but as you mentioned, you know, there are people with 40 years. There are mm-hmm. people who go even longer than that, you know, and I'm like, 30 years is almost like minor compared to that. But, you know, I think so. And it's because I, you know, I was like all in in the 90s. Like I was the kid that I was on the AOL message boards being like a total <laughs> yeah. nerd. Yep. I was like buying all their 80s stuff. Like when no one else wanted, I was buying up all the merch. Like I was buying releases. You know, I was, you know, going to see them. Like I was pretty obsessed. And, you know, my husband is the same way. Like he, you know, he's a little bit older than I am. And so like he hopped on on the reflex back in the 80s and so like you know I have my collection he has his collection we all kind of you know intersect and it's great but I would think so yeah I, I'll okay. call myself a Durani Good. my well, name is Annie so it's yeah. you know. and we will take you as a Durani <laughs> 
But it was, just, it was interesting. I love the fact that you really came to them strictly for their music. Is it, that's yes. a perception. And well, that, that was going to be my question okay. because we were, we were drawn in by the videos mm-hmm. and the music that was so masterfully partnered together. But in 93, there was a slightly different focus. So was it the music that got you first or was it the visual that got you first? You know, I feel like it was at the same time okay. in a way because kind of when the wedding album came out, I really started watching MTV again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and MTV had started really embracing the band again. And so Ordinary World was on all the time. Like yeah. my best friend for at the time reminded me that like apparently I used to call her when Ordinary World was on MTV. <laughs> like, oh my God, turn it on. So I, I don't know, you know, she was probably watching, who knows, but I was very excited apparently. You know, and, and Come Undone, of course, and I love Too Much Information. That was my mm-hmm. favorite video though. I mm-hmm. think it was like the hair colors and the suits and, you know, the keyboards and everything. But I also was listening to the radio a ton. So when I wasn't watching TV, I was listening to, we had a modern rock station in Cleveland mm-hmm. and they played so much Duran. They played all the new stuff. They played the 80s stuff. And so, you know, I kind of got it from both directions. Um, but I love the wedding. I mean, the wedding album, I, mean, I was so young when, you know, Ordinary World came out and that was so sophisticated. And, you know, I think that I probably gravitated toward the moodiness of it all. And like that video was just also just so beautiful and so fancy. And, you know, I was definitely, you know, nowhere near <laughs> any of that at that point in my life. Um, but I think it was both, which I think was a good way to kind of come at that then because you kind of got the best of both worlds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No, that video is so different from like yeah. the first video. This is Jody again. And the first video I saw was Planet Earth. And that was like aliens had come down <laughs> and captured my television and my eyeballs at the same time, you know. So it was it was the visual first instantly and then the baseline and the look now, look all around. So I, I'm that the Ordinary World video is so different from that. And then what what soon followed after with Girls on Film and Hungry Like the Wolf and all that. So it's very interesting to me to talk to younger fans who came in in the Mm -hmm. 90s because to me, that was a very different world, a very different world, not an ordinary world at all. Not an ordinary world. And, you know, I mean, I remember when I first saw the video for Ordinary World, I thought my guys are back. Like, because they had been gone, like, kind of, I mean, they were not gone, but just, it was, it was a shift that I just sensed. And we've talked about that on this podcast here that, and I think many Duranis will acknowledge there was something there that was special. And clearly they came back with a vengeance and that's just their second wave that, I mean, they played Ordinary World at the Rock Hall. I mean, that's very important to, to the, the career. So. And what I love about that song too, is that, you know, it comes out that like, you know, I interviewed Roger, uh, I think it was earlier this year and he talked about how you know, he wasn't at the band at that point but like mm-hmm. Simon still kind of slipped into the song and Roger was like wow that's an amazing <laughs> song and I feel like Andy also said potentially that he might you know heard it too and so it was one of those songs that even you know that really kind of bridged sort of the gaps between the two eras of Duran too that mm-hmm. you know everybody because it was just so beautiful and so powerful but yeah it did it felt like I mean they were playing sheds in Cleveland they were huge okay so I want to shift gears a little bit now to the the book the 33 and a half book yes can you first 33 and a third sorry 33 and a third <laughs> can you tell us about that series like I know I saw that series and I looked like a, a few years ago I looked for a Duran book and I didn't see one can you tell us a little bit about the series and then you know I was like where's Duran you know where's Duran Duran and then luckily your book eventually came can you give us kind of a little rundown on how that happened so it's funny it's I would say it's a persistence and on my part uh, for starters, um, because so I had started pitching a book on Rio to this. So this first up back in 
like this series. It started in the early 2000s and it's basically they were developed as you know books about one album. And okay. so it was basically a deep dive into that. And the way people interpreted that was, you know, some people did fiction books, some people did memoirs, some people did kind of straight reporting. And so they were basically, you know, different books about, you know, um, you know, basically like delving into the universe of individual albums. So I always wanted to write one of these. And so and at some point in the 2000s or actually even before that, you know, I always wanted to write about Rio because I knew the record had a good story. You know, when I found out that it took a while to become a success, I'm like, that's really weird. How did that happen? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So and obviously it's just musically, it's just, you know, iconic and perfect. And so I started pitching them in 2007. I pitched them and this was you know, I was I wasn't even a decade into my career at that point. So I was still a pretty like young writer. And so I pitched it and they passed on it. I was like, OK, because what they basically do is they have open call for pitches okay. and okay. they it's sort of like you basically have to put together a proposal. They have guidelines and they say, all right, pitch us a book, convince us why this book is worthy and why you should write it. So and can anybody and can anybody pitch that? Yep. Oh, interesting. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And so um, so I pitched that. They didn't take it. I pitched it 2009 again. And I think I made like the first cut and then didn't take it again and so then I got I was like so I was was just kind of I was grouchy then because I was like okay fine and so you know and there were different things like you know I met my husband around that time I ended up like moving in the last couple years and so my life got a little bit busy so I didn't pitch for a while because I was just like all right fine you know and then flash forward to 2018, they had a call for pitches again. And I was just kind of exchanging messages with a friend of mine who's like, oh, I'm thinking about pitching. I'm not sure a book. And so we were going back and forth and he ended up being like, oh, all right, you know, I'm not going to pitch. And we're, he's sitting there, but I'm like, oh my God, what am I doing? Like I, I it, it snapped in my mind. I'm like, I need to pitch this book again. Now we're talking, <laughs> this was a couple days before the deadline. We're not like, this is not like, you know, within a week of the deadline. And so I've definitely kind of pushing it to the last minute. But I still had my because I was like, you know what? I'm going to be so mad if someone pitches it and it's not me to write this book. (laughs) I was like, I'm going to be so mad. Mm -hmm. And so I found my old proposal um, and I updated it and wrote it. And, you know, because I had a better idea. Um, you know, I think the band was a little bit more popular at this point. And I think that just because I had a little bit more experience, I knew how to write a proposal better and I knew how to kind of be more convincing kind of. So like, you know, I sat down and took a day and a half and wrote this thing. I think I turned it in with like an hour and 15 minutes to spare. with the <laughs> wow. <time>. Wow. <laughs> And then, um, yeah. And then a couple months later, uh, they emailed me and they're like, hey, you know, you got this. Like, I think I started shaking, basically. Oh. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I was so excited. They, um, they only do a certain yeah. number each year or yeah yeah they do um they do an open call like i think about every year and a half pretty much and then you know they take you know i I don't know how many it depends on how they kind of many on their contract like 10 10 maybe 10 or 12 and so so yeah and so i was just i was just over the moon excited like i i was just like beyond beyond excited because you know i had all of my fandom that was like oh my god all right here's here's all my nerd nerd (laughs) uh wisdom guess what i have a place for it now awesome (laughs) I love it. I love it. Yeah. And I, I'm looking at the publishing date now. It came out in 21. So did you write it in 18 and 19? Or when when were you writing this one? Oh, yeah. So this was a pandemic book. This okay. Was, okay. Yeah. So I found out that I got the book in early January. And then I think it became public in April. And then my deadline was like the following July. And so I ended up starting to kind of work in it in late 2019 and then basically wrote it in earnest for most of 2020 because there was nothing. I wasn't going anywhere. There was no place (laughs) else to go. And 
you know, people were home. And so, you know, I pretty much had, which was, you know, a real blessing because I was able to really sit down and focus and write it and things like that. So yeah, that was, yeah. Absolutely comes across when I read it. I was thinking, my goodness, she had time to dig deep (laughs) into this. Yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I saw, I saw, you know, in your, in your thank yous, I saw you did a shout out to Nick. So it sounds like, was he the one you were able to connect with the most of the band for this book? Yeah. And so I ended up being able to, so it was interesting because they were working on what became future past at this point like when we started it and you know i don't because i don't know the the exact trajectory but i think you know i ended up reaching out as soon as it became public i ended up reaching out to their management explaining hey there's this book is would people be willing to talk and it ended up that um john nick and roger were available i was like cool and so i talked to john and roger and then um i think i talked to nick i think i talked to nick last and i think that was potentially in early 2020. Um, I think so. I can't remember the exact dates, but I, you know, but yeah, I talked to Nick for start. I think our first conversation was like two hours, maybe wow. hour and a half. Wow. It was something, it was, I think it was two hours. Mm-hmm. And then he ended up um, remembering something else. So we talked again and we got more stuff. So wow. yeah. And then I also sent him because I'm a Virgo. I sent him these like detailed list of fact checking questions that he very <laughs> kindly, I was like, I have this, what is this? Or, you know, I saw this, you, you know, like, cause I saw like true. weird stuff. Yeah, exactly. Did this ever happen? You know, because there was like weird stuff in like, you know, a trade magazine where there was like an offhand mention of, oh, Duran Duran's going to be in New York filming a video for this song. And I was like, I'd never seen that anywhere. I'm like, did this ever happen? Did this like, you know, yeah. and he was like, I no, you know, I have no idea, you know, and, you know, all the remixes that were around. I was like, you do what this is. And it's just like, <laughs> uh, I don't think uh, there's just so many floating around, as you mm-hmm. know, for that one. Oh, so, yeah. Um, but well, so, yeah, they were very detailed. How did your view of the album change after writing this book? Did it you know, change? it did it, you know, because obviously going into it, I'm like, this is an amazing record. This is, you know, I've been listening to it for years and years and years and I appreciated it more, which is, which is funny to say after spending months writing about it, but just the insights from everyone who worked on it and all the little details on it, you know, things that, you know, I'd noticed, but not really, really noticed. And I was like, wow, like this is really, you know, for a a band of, you know, who were basically kids who were really young, this was a really sophisticated record. This Mm -hmm. was a really Mm -hmm. dense record, a really layered record. And so I really came to appreciate that more after really being able to kind of spend time with it. And I still like listening to it. I mean, that's the wild thing is that I'll still (laughs) throw on Rio. Sometimes like, I feel like listening to Rio today. You know, it's like I'm not tired of it, which is also surprising. No, no, absolutely not. (laughs) This album is brilliant. Yeah. (laughs) And how amazing. I mean, like talk about perfect timing that I mean, not because of the pandemic happening, um, obviously, but the fact that it finally came together for you when you had time and everybody else had time to talk Mm -hmm. to you because then the book became what it became because everyone was suddenly available for you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's and, that's 100 percent true. And that was the journey that was supposed to happen for this book. Yes, right? yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's why yeah. it turned out exactly. That's why it turned out so fantastic. I did notice you have a special edition that you were able to talk yes. to Simon for the special edition. Yes. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Is that for oh. the 40th? Is that how the special edition? Yeah. Is? 
So it's funny because I think when the book came out, I had told them, my publisher, I'm like, yeah, the record's turning 40 next year. And like, I don't even like we had some sort of conversation. And sometime last year, they were like, hey, do you potentially still want to do a 40th anniversary edition? And I'm like, <laughs> oh, well, OK, yes, that sounds amazing, actually. <laughs> yeah. um, but the coolest thing was, is that they really gave me sort of free reign. They're like, OK, you, we know, you know what makes a cool book. Like, let's brainstorm ideas and stuff. And so. You know, I, um, you know, I interviewed Malcolm Garrett, who designed the album Sleeve and, of course, did wow. so many of the amazing early Duran Duran, like um, aesthetic and visual aesthetic. Yes, yes. And so I had, you know, I reached out to him. I said, it'd be great. Like, maybe he could design the book cover. And he, you know, designed the the new book cover for us. Incredible. And like, mm-hmm. yeah. And like really kind of did little Easter eggs for things that like the, the original album. And so I'm like, because I'm, like, I'm like, fans would love this. And then I got to talk to Simon and he, of course, was lovely. And so um, and I put together I, I tried to license some photos and some ads and stuff. And so that was interesting because it was, um, you know, we had a very kind of limited budget, but I wanted to find cool stuff. And so I managed to find in the Rock Hall archives, they had some photos from the Rio tour from a photographer who shot him in Cleveland. Wow. And so but they were like, OK, you have to track her down. We don't have her contact info. <laughs> like you have to get permission from her. So I had to do like Internet sleuthing to try. <laughs> to like find her and try to track down like where and I, I I found her work email and I managed and like she actually got back to me and so I ended up like being able to license them from her and That's so awesome. which so I was excited about that and then some ads too which were a little bit um, which were cool but little you know challenging to get um, a hold of people but but yeah so I'm so thrilled by how that came out too just because you know it's such a special record and I'm like yeah let's have a special book for it yeah well and and we're you know we're campaigning to see it live in its entirety we bring that up on the on the podcast (laughs) a lot so many other bands are doing you know classic albums fully in concert and we many Durannies would love 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 to see these albums these early ones and I love the fact in the book you pointed out at the same time all three of their albums were on the chart and I guess that hadn't clicked with me because I guess I was was too young but when you talked about that I was like oh my gosh that that just doesn't happen does it I mean I can't I can't recall that (laughs) not then I mean because I think now it's a little bit different because like you know you have someone like Taylor Swift whose albums you know have multiple albums on the charts but no the fact that they were so popular they had like their first three records Mm -hmm. on the charts Mm -hmm. like that's it's just just, yeah it just shows how just omnipresent they were and it's funny you mentioned because I don't know if you've seen the classic pop interview yet with them because you know, just Andy has, just the cover on the socials. Not so yet. I've been trying to find it in at, at local Barnes and Nobles, and they don't have. In fact, yeah, it's funny too. you mentioned that. I actually <laughs> called one locally here today, and it's not in stock as of yet here. Wow. It will. So, what my my advice is to order from their website because I bet you'll get it faster. Or oh. they have digital versions. Yeah. And yeah. because that's what my husband we ended up buying it. But I have to tell you because this is so exciting because you know Andy has been talking. He's like, yes. I want to play Rio oh, and yes. Full. Rio and Full. Yes. Yes. And so the writer asked Nick. And so, you know, he'd love to. So Andy said he'd love to do a tour with them to play their first two albums from start to finish. And I'm going to quote here. Never say never considers Nick Rhodes. And so then he goes on. Just blew my mind. (laughs) And he said, the idea of playing Rio in full has come up a dozen times in the band. The last time I said, let's pick the most unusual venue and do all of Rio as the encore. We just haven't got round to it. Now, Nick, I, he needs to give us warning, though. That, that, that's, yeah. that, yes, that's, that's my that's only thing. Like yes. week. 
<laughs> right. Yes. Right, exactly. So I don't know. So it seems like, you know, maybe that's maybe that'll be in the cards sometime. We just need know. plenty of time. And so we can all oh converge into somewhere, save up wherever. Right. Get vacation uh, we'll off work. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Get it all situated and we'll be there. Yeah. My credit card and my brain just exploded. <laughs> yes, exactly. How about the sphere? You know, somewhere. when you choose the sphere, it's going to be available in Vegas. And, you know, that could be oh, pretty no, over uh-uh. the top. No, not Vegas. No, not Vegas. <laughs> no, the sphere. Like, can you know. imagine? No. Like, the video? Anyways. It'll, oh, my God. That would be... That would be crazy. That would, that be, would be a Although, dream for Nick, though. Yeah, I was, yeah. was just going to say. Aesthetically, can you imagine? Nick would be a kid in a candy store. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So I, yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna say it now. I think we might see something at the Sphere. It may take a year or two, but if Mr. Rhodes can have his way, you're right. Mm-hmm. That, that would just be fantastic. So, oh, definitely. you know, we can talk about Duran Duran all night. Clearly, this is about Duran Duran. But you have some other interesting characters that you have written about, including yes. this Lady Gaga, Pink. Yeah. Yes. Um, Jen Jet, Jet, the B-52s mm-hmm. are teased out there. So Coming please up. tell mm-hmm. us about these other projects and other bands and how some of that really stuff happens. Yes. So the Lady Gaga Pink Books. And so um, it, this is for their, it's a UK publisher. They're named uh, Palazzo Editions. Okay. And they make these beautiful, basically color photo, like coffee table book. And like they've worked with like Mick Rock and they've put out books on like, you know, Queen and um, The Cure and things like that and so they approached me and they said hey we want it we're looking for someone to do a book on lady gaga and so it's basically her life story so it's basically a biography of her and then they augment it with this beautiful design and this like beautiful sort of layouts and stuff like that and um the same thing with pink and so i you know and i love you know i've loved lady gaga since her you know, like her first record. I'm, I regret the fact that I went to go see New Kids on the Block and I showed up <laughs> too late to see her open when no one knew who she was. I'm like, what was I thinking? Like, so, you know, still angry about that. Still mad at myself. But, um, and Pink too, you know, I've been a fan since her first record. And so those were both just really, and this was different than the Duran book and that I didn't do any reporting. It was basically sort of doing research and putting together kind of their story um, in that sense. But yeah, but it was, it's awesome. And then you have the liner notes for out of time for yay our, um, yes so how did which is such happen? a joy that was just another that i think you know i feel like that i, I was so i was known to the rem camp i am known to the rem camp because so i had written started, about them so many you times started with your first piece right exactly yeah, and yeah, so awesome. as soon as i could i started writing about rem and so i had written i was i was known to them and every all these box sets the 25th anniversary box sets they were doing um they always pick a writer to write about it and you know i don't know if someone recommended me or they're just like hey you know let's think about her but they approached me to do that and I was so I was just like uh, you know when you talk about like career highlights like being able Mm -hmm. to write about you know one of your favorite bands and out of time was one of the first like CDs I got so that was like one of my first (laughs) records too and so that was another one just like doing research and talking to the band like totally different there were so many little nooks and crannies I didn't know about it really blew my mind and they were awesome and so great to work with and so it was just you know there was just it was just awesome I feel I like Chris Farley, but like it's totally the same. <laughs> 
so but that's crazy here. Yeah. Now, yeah. Question: Did you ever get to see them play when they were together? Or oh yeah, I saw okay. REM thirteen times, fourteen times. Yeah. Nice. I actually my favorite time seeing them, I think, and this is the second last time I saw them was at South by Southwest mm. when they played Stubbs. Oh, yes. Wow. And yes. I ended up like um because I need like I have a disability, so I need a place to sit down, and I was like, okay, I showed up at Stubbs like right when doors opened, like when the first band because they didn't go on until there was like you know six bands on the bill and i was like help i i need like a place to sit down because and they were like okay and apparently it's stubs it was like seats overlooking the stage. Yeah, they have yeah. that yes. deck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And so yeah. I would just like, you know, you know, my mind is like blown. And I'm like, well, I'm not moving for the next seven <laughs> hours. Sorry. <laughs> That's the perfect spot. Yeah. yeah. And so I was, you know, the closest I'd ever been to see them. And it was, oh, they debuted songs. And so it was awesome. And so Love that was it. one of my favorite times. But I think that was about the same time they record. No, I didn't. Ugh, hang on. They did an ACL live taping. Yes. It was, was that, that same okay. time. I was at the ACL live taping. I didn't go to the stub show. So um, I miss Bill, of course, because I love Bill Berry so much. Yeah. But that was that was very, very fun, that that uh, taping show. But you also wrote about Up, didn't you? The anniversary of Up? Uh, let's see. Not. Oh, yes. I wrote a newsletter a little bit about that. Okay. Because okay. I'm reviewing it, too. I'm doing it for um, the, the streaming platform Cubas. I'm going to write a little something on them. Very but cool. I think I've written about it before. I mean, it's it's terrible, but I've I reached a point where I'm like, how have, have I written about that? I'm sure I've written about that. I have to like Google myself because I can't remember because I love Up and so I'm sure I've yeah. written something about it because I just, oh, I love that record so much. So. Leaving New York is one of my favorite songs and it yeah. makes me cry like a baby every time. Yes, I just love that song so much. So have you been to Athens? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Multiple times. I went to the REM tribute thing last year in oh. uh, Athens and Atlanta. And okay. we did that. And yeah, I love, we love Athens. I'm very I sad because we, we tend to go. It's so much fun. It really, you know, it has, it's, it's definitely different. You know, you're yeah. not necessarily going to have, you know, the 1982 experience there, but it's still, it's, it's still just a really lovely city and it's just really, it's just cool. And so I love going there. So speaking of Athens, the B-52s thing, is that oh, still yes. happening? Is that, <laughs> it, ideally, that? yes. I'm, I'm working on it. Like this is, this is like, you know, when you have like a project or something that's like hanging over your head and it's like, you know, the Looney Tunes, like Anvil is yes. like hanging over your head. <laughs> that's like, I, I'm so excited about this book. I have like a manuscript that's well over 30,000 words. That's like wow. in the work and I just have to sit down and finish it. And it's, uh, you know, I, so I'm working on it. Literally, I, I picked it back up this summer. I'm working on it and, you know, so hopefully soon it'll, it'll be out in the next couple of years. So, so will it just be an independent book or will it be, are you going to submit it to the series or? So it's actually through um, University of Texas Press. Yay. Okay. Yeah. Welcome. Which is awesome. In Austin. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Have you been able to talk to, um, to any of the bands? So I interviewed, I've interviewed Fred once or twice in the past. And okay. so I haven't interviewed them for this book. Um, and it's, it's one of those books that doesn't necessarily need interviews. It's sort of looking at their legacy and their career. And so mm-hmm. it's actually a little bit of a challenging book. It's a little bit more analysis focused and okay. which is, which is different. Like it was, it's a, it's a more of a challenging writing than I kind of anticipated. And even though I've written criticism and stuff for whatever, maybe because it's a book, there's like you know, something bigger attached to it, but it's a little bit different. So I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Awesome. Well, we'll be there, we will definitely be on the lookout for that. We love. There, thank you. There is a band in Austin called Mock 
lobster that um, <laughs> is definitely a cover band and they do the whole uniform <laughs> outfit kind of thing and there's a dude that sounds just like Fred it's so much fun so I think I read that this um this book that you're working on is the influence of the B-52s on music or were yeah. they in, yeah I, I I believe that they were extremely influential to a lot of the music that we hear today so 100 percent and like music and culture and but it, it's funny because like you know some someone like you know rem like you can listen to a band and say okay i can hear that or like mm -hmm. duran duran you can say oh yeah you know someone like the killers definitely influenced mm -hmm. yeah. but the b-52s is like it's it's a little bit more obscure it's a little bit more non-linear and a little bit more you know i think you know when, when the scissor sisters were big i guess 20 years ago it was a little bit more obvious and like things like that but it is definitely more subtle and that actually makes it challenging too because it's mm -hmm. like well you know where do you see them now and so yeah. it, it is a little bit yeah. different so but it's cool even, even dave girls says that um, the first time he saw the B-52s on Saturday Night Live, he knew that's what he wanted to do yes. with his life. So, yeah, <laughs> there's that, too. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Like, that was just, they were so weird. And that, yeah. oh, and that, that performance is just so incredible. So You're just good. like, so your good. mind, even like 40 years later, 40 years later, I'm over, more than 40. <laughs> Oh yeah. my God! Yeah. <laughs> well, and and I've I've been trying to convince Jody for years to to dress up for Halloween because I look I look kind of like Cindy and she looks enough like Kate. I'm like we can get away with it. We should. Hello. Just... <laughs> Have we not done this yet? I thought we we've did not done we it. We've talked we need about to it do for this. years. Yeah. Yes. I, I even have a happen. big bouffant blonde wig. So we can make that happen. We are gonna make that. Happen. You totally need to do that. Because <laughs> that'd be and then you get the like the dresses like that's yes. it's just an excuse yes, to yes. dress up and look awesome. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And when this thing gets kicked off the ground for you and you have to come to the University of Texas, you let us know, Amy. Yes. We will host you. Yes. That'd be so much fun. We could have like a B-52s like dance party. Oh, absolutely. Oh, sure. yeah. We'll get Mock Lobster to play for us. That'd be yes. so much fun. Down. Oh my God, that'd be so Down. much fun. Okay. Done. I thought, I, it's part of your book tour. Exactly. Well, that's such a good idea. Okay. Oh, All right. Now, now I have to really, I have to get it finished because I have events yeah. planned. Exactly. We've got it all organized for you already. Well, oh, Annie, thank awesome. you so much for joining us and for this chat. It's it's been awesome. Um, this has been really fun. Yay. Anything anything else that you want to share with us that might be fun for the listeners or <sighs> nothing I can talk about publicly yet, but I know I'm oh. I'm working on several like cool projects that will see the light of day, uh, you know, I don't know when, sometime in the new year, maybe, maybe, early, I, don't, I don't even know timing. But, uh, but yeah, but I'm working on some really awesome projects I'm excited to share. So and let keep an everybody eye out. know, yes, and let everybody know, Annie, um, where they can follow you on the socials, um, where they can purchase your books. Um, I just signed up for your newsletter yes. via email to let everybody know where they can follow you. It's so sad because, you know, if you had asked me this a couple of years ago, I'd be like, follow me on Twitter. That's the <laughs> easiest way because it's a hub for everything. And like, well, uh, uh, you, you still can. You know, I talk about music, so it's, you know, it's still OK over there. But, um, you know, I'm on Facebook. I, I'm on I, it's terrible. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Blue Sky. I'm on Threads. I'm under, you know, on Instagram. And so, and like my newsletter. And so I'm trying to figure that out, you know, wherever, wherever you feel it, like, whatever your preferred social media channel is, I should probably.
probably be there. And to sign up for your newsletter, it's on Annie's list. It's uh, AnnieZ.com. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And so that's easy. That should be. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be, you know, I don't really have a regular publishing cadence. I'm trying not to like send too many because I don't want people to get annoyed and unsubscribe. And so I'm just sending them like you know, every so often when I have something to say and when I have like book news and articles and stuff like that. So it, it's, it's low maintenance. It's like maybe a couple times a month. Very nice. Thank you for tuning in to the Cherry Ice Cream Smile podcast. We are so glad you could hang out with us for a while. Please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast player, and you can even ask Alexa to play us with the TuneIn app. Also follow us on Instagram. See you again real soon.